This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Cliff Coons here with my partner, Toby Mathis, and we're going to talk about what's going on in the real estate market. You know, we're active real estate investors, and we work with thousands of investors all over the country. And so we want to just break down what we're seeing right now and what we're hearing from those people that we're working with. Toby? Yeah, depending on who you listen to, it's either the market's going to crash. Oh my gosh, it's going to be the worst thing ever. Like, bet worse than 2008. Oh my goodness. Or people are saying, hey, wait a second, it's not the same thing. Like, like there's definitely things that differentiate us from 2008. And I, I fall into that camp. But regardless, because there's so much fear, it means there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah, well, see, a lot of people, I think, tend to always look at new home buyers and what they're buying. And, and I have uh, developer friends who've been building houses, and those houses are definitely sitting on the market. They're, you know, 60, 70, 90 days on market, and they're trying, they're putting out offers to, to buy down points in order to help attract homeowners. But the people that we typically work with, they're real estate investors. And so they're not fitting into that category. No, they're looking for cash flow. And, and here's the thing. So I lived in Las Vegas. We're in Las Vegas right now, but I lived in Las Vegas in 2007, where a house that would rent for $2,500 a month was being sold for a million bucks. And there's no way an investor is going to buy that. There's no way it's going to cash flow. And so people that were buying those homes on speculation and hoping that they were going to go up when the market shifted and they realized that we're overbuilt, we have too much inventory. We had six months of inventory sitting there. No investor really wanted it, but there was a ton of activity. I remember, uh, you remember this because we were flipping houses down here. We would go to the auction. We would put in 20 offers a day trying to get properties. And you had the big BlackRock, Blackstones, all these flippers, all these other people competing for everything that was in the cash flow range, which was really at that time below 200,000. And they were bidding things up. So it was a, there was two worlds. There was the hey, let's comp this out. This is what your house is worth because somebody paid that much down the street. And then there was, what's the return on my investment world? And the return on investment world was going bonkers. Our rents, the rents on our rental properties went up during that time. People needed a place to live and there was a lot of competition for rentals. And so like, it, again, even when you think of a recession or even if you go back to the Great Depression, there was a lot of millionaires made during that period of time that recognized it was opportunity. It was Warren Buffett that coined the phrase, I believe, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Well, so we have a whole bunch of fear. I think we need to be a little greedy. Yeah, well, so, so what I tend to look at is, you know, going back and look at the historical trends and what we've seen in the past is that you've got high interest rates right now. And what you have are, invest, are homeowners that got into mortgages back in 2019, 2018. Those are going to reset. So now it's going to jump their mortgage from three and a half up to seven, seven and a half percent. Maybe they can't make that mortgage payment. So that property could potentially become a bank owner, an REO property. So they're going to run into, they're going to go delinquent. They're going to go into foreclosures. We've already started to see those trends happening. It started back in September. The rates have been going up. Uh, I think they're going up about 3% a month from month over month uh, with delinquencies and foreclosures. So those are buying opportunities for people to get in there and do subject to deals because it kind of mirrors, in my, my opinion, what we saw back in 2010 and 11 and 9, the real estate investors who were doing really well, 
people who would buy subject to help people out of distress situations. Because when you mm -hmm. lose your jobs, you've seen a lot of layoffs in the tech industry, right? So what happens to those people? They lost their jobs or in a mortgage they can no longer afford uh, or they can't make the payment on because they bought too much house. They got property taxes. So you can go in, you can solve their problems. Private lending, I think, is going to be huge as well because as interest rates go up, it compresses the ability for, for people to borrow because, again, standards uh, can change as well, especially for investors because banks get nervous. Mm -hmm. So be a private lender on that side. And so those two strategies, I think, is something in, in REO deals is going to be, it's not now, but I think you got to wait eight months or a year and you're going to see more of those coming come into play. That might be the case because you see people, whenever they're talking about interest rates increasing and they immediately say, oh my gosh, the market's going to crash. Keep in mind that the interest rates are only raised from that point on. You're talking about resetting, you know, a small amount of the loans that are uh, not fixed, mm -hmm. right? So if you have an adjustable rate, all of a sudden your payment goes up and it could go up almost double and you're in a deep, deep doo-doo, right? And so now you got to get rid of it and you're in this, this market where let's, like the reality is there's not a lot of inventory on the market. It's about half of what normally is. It's about three months. When you look at the default rate on mortgages, it's about half its historical amount. But we're seeing lots of default for the people that bought during this last run-up. Mm -hmm. Like in, in the first half of 2022, if you bought a house and you have a mortgage on it, you're probably pretty upset right now. You know, because the house price probably dropped a little bit and you're looking at it going, what, you know, what's my alternative? What should I be doing? Maybe I should be walking away from this thing. And I think to your point, that's where the short sales come in and that's where foreclosures could come in. But the, here's the, the, the biggest factor for me. Uh, yesterday, the Harvard Joint Center for Housing put out another report. And it used to be that the baseline of how many houses we had to add to the inventory every year to keep up with demand was 1.2 million. The last few years, it's been closer to 1.5, 1.6, 1.7 million. And we're, we, were, we were targeting that 1.2, which just simply means we're underbuilt. And because of interest rates increasing, it's going to exacerbate that problem because new home builders are like, shoot, I'm not going to build. Nobody, nobody can afford my house. Yeah, and but a lot of those, don't you think? So here's what's happened with the builders. You were building when materials were at all-time high. Mm -hmm. So now you've got all this money invested in the property and you were expecting to sell it for X because real estate's been going up. So you're willing to pay, you know, 75 bucks a sheet for OSB. But now it's the prices aren't there, mm -hmm. but you can't have people that can qualify for these mortgages. So now these, if, these home builders are sitting on inventory and what are they going to do? They're going to have to slash prices, take losses. I, and I agree with you hundred percent. And it's going to bring that price down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so the numbers I tend to look at is how do home prices for the new, you know, new single stories, how do they relate to rents? And if the home prices take off faster than rents are rising, then you have that big gap. And that's, that's your, your loss because there's an investor that will buy any house just about out there. You know, they'll just be like, Hey, as long as it's in a decent area, there's, you know, it's a, most of your major cities, right? where you don't have massive unemployment, you don't have massive amounts of crime, those are going to be your bread and butters for investors. They buy those all day long and they're continuing to buy those all day long. And they're looking at it saying, where is my cap rate? So you might have a big fund who's looking and saying, hey, I'm good at a four cap rate, which is really your return on it, on the investment, right? And then the regular investor might say seven, right? So they may be a little bit pickier and choosier, but they will go in and buy those things as long as there's a return. The problem is, is like you said, it's so expensive to build 
it's almost impossible to build a single family house and get a return by renting it. There are those folks that do the build to rent and they're, they're in their building more economically. They're, they're compartmentalizing. They're doing a lot of some of, some of these are using, uh, prefabbed homes, manufactured homes. We're seeing that to drive the cost per square foot down. But if you're a home builder, you're looking at it saying, I want to sell on comps, which again, I look at the neighborhood and here's my price for square foot. And maybe it's 250 or 300 bucks a foot. That's what they're selling on. They're not selling on return on the investment of what you could rent it for. And those are the people that are getting the bloody nose right now is the people that we're, we're basing it on comps because affordability is, at, I think it's at its worst point in history. When you look at the mortgage rates in the affordability of homes, you just washed out about half the home buyers, which means less demand for those homes, which means the prices are going to fall. Yeah. And they become tenants. And that's why, we, you know, no, another thing I'd be looking at is raw land investing because mm-hmm. buying those, uh, those manufactured homes, you can put them on there. You're, you're into those at much less, maybe 90 bucks a square foot for a house like that to get that all set up. And so that was going to get your cap rates back up to what you're looking for. Because if you're going out there and you're trying to buy a home, as you just stated, that are at, at extremely high prices, it's hard to get that return on the investment you need. Because not only do you have uh, interest rates that are screwing that up, but you also have property taxes that have gone up. And they're so always so mm-hmm. slow to go back down and adjust. So you're going to get that double whammy. And as, and as more people tend to get laid off, especially in the tech sectors, that's going to be a ripple effect. And also what you're seeing is with the the um, material men that go out to the, the sites, the contractors, the subs and stuff like that. People that I've been talking to now, the generals haven't been paying them. They've been, they're getting further and further pushed back on their payments for the work that they did, you know, back in October, it, right as when the interest rates really started to spike, you've mm-hmm. seen now a drop off in, in those payments. In fact, my brother, he's one as well. And he just had to write off about $70,000 because he wasn't paid. I can see that. And I I think we're going to still, like in the next, depending on what the Fed does, because technically you're looking at the 10-year treasury for mortgages, right? But let's not kid ourselves. It's it's the Fed and the raising of interest rates. And we could have this topic, you know, debate all day long. I personally believe it was the printing of money that caused inflation. In fact, when you take the the M2 money supply and you overlay the CPI, the, 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 the inflation index, consumer price index, they're almost identical. Like they are so it's, it's like, okay, what caused inflation? How about we printed like an extra $4 trillion and devalued all the money out there? Like you still are looking at that factor. We are seeing quantitative tightening, which is good because that should lower the interest. It maybe stop the Fed from its aggressive increases. We're already seeing the pivot where the Fed is, is not raising interest rates as fast. Only time will tell to see what, what ends up happening. It would be really interesting if during 2023, the Fed ended up lowering interest rates, because that would be a strong indication that they went too far too fast and that they're really worried about hammering the economy. But as we sit here right now, we still have really historic low unemployment rate. You just have lack of affordability in homes. And I think that punches the luxury builders right in the face. Maybe not the high, high end because they're buying on cash, but for the typical home buyer, it's not possible now. So they're just, they're just going to keep renting and there's not enough properties out there. I think we're 5 million units, depending on who you, you look at. Freddie and Fannie, I think said it was about 5 million units shy for what means we're underbuilt, which means that there's more demand for properties than there are properties, which really hurts the, the lower class, right? The, the folks that are 
uh, below the median income. It's really hurting those folks because all of a sudden their costs of, of their home, whether it be rents or, or buying, is a huge percentage of their income. It's just, and it's not sustainable. Yeah, but I see things like that. And, and they talk about there's lack of supply out there for the demand, but is that demand really there? Uh, is it based upon historical trends or thinking? Because a lot of people can't afford to buy that any longer. I mean, rate locks have dropped over 20% just in January of this year. So people are pulling out of deals. They're, they're not moving forwards. And it's going to be a ripple effect. Just because they can't they, afford it. Correct. If they drop rates three months from now. Let's say they do a rate cut. That doesn't hit the economy. That's going to take at least you know three quarters to start to see minimal impact from that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I think over the next year, there's going to be a lot more opportunities coming up for, for real estate investors in different areas of the market that normally they wouldn't uh, have considered when you're in that hot market that we did in the past. Like we talked about, I talked about taxes going up. So there's going to be opportunities for tax liens and tax deeds for mm-hmm. people to figure out those strategies to get in there and pick up properties here in the next, you know, three quarters. Inflation affects governments too. And they're raising yep. the, the the property taxes. You have the, the raised rates, which is affecting the affordability. All that stuff is going to put pressure on people to either uh, downsize, get rid of a home. Uh, maybe they're going to go back to being a renter. But uh, where's that opportunity then for investors? Where do you think that the biggest opportunities lie? For investors? I, j- I think I named it. You're looking for distressed uh, distressed properties. I think that's where it's going to be. And as you stated, you know, houses or prices will still continue to come down because as long as we have a strong dollar and it's only being Im- exacerbated by what we're doing with the economy, you're, you're locking out a lot of that uh, foreign investment that probably made up for 10 to 12% of the market. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that has already started to dry up because the dollar, the exchange rate is making the properties here in the U.S., which they used to want to invest in, that much more expensive for them. Yeah, they'll see if the dollar can soften. But so I'm, I'm just going to add one little flavor to you. I think that in the for investors, there's going to be continued uh, uh, people being very aggressive in those areas. I think that if you're looking at homes under 200,000, I think you're you're not going to see this uh, fall off. I think you're going to see the fall off. Really in the five hundred, six hundred thousand range, maybe maybe beyond that. But your bread and butter homes, I think, are becoming unaffordable for typical people. They're going to go rent. But the part that really was confusing is everybody figured millennials were kind of checked out. Hey, the you know the young people aren't looking for home ownership, and then we just saw a surge in young people's home ownership and household creations uh, in the last three years that nobody really anticipated, and that's going to throw a monkey wrench in this whole thing because they're still looking for homes. The dream of home ownership is not gone. It's just I think we uh, we outkicked our coverage in this particular case, and the prices went up too fast. The interest rates have now made those unaffordable, so you're going to see some adjustment. What is it going to do to the overall market? I mean, I guess you could see something of maybe on the worst end, ten percent. Best case scenario, probably flat. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to be as dire as everybody's saying. And you know, again, when there's fear then just kind of get your reading glasses out and start really looking at the data and figure out where the opportunities lie. I think manufactured housing, I think buying land and putting uh, in, you know inexpensive rentable structures. You see in California, you see the auxiliary dwelling units, the ADUs, uh, mm-hmm. they can start renting them out because there's a strong need for housing and we need to fill that need because if we don't, all it's going to do is exacerbate the issues for the folks that are below the median income. 
Yeah. And, and we, we talked about the jobs. There was an article in the Wall Street that I read uh, this past week. It was really interesting. A guy went to work at uh, Facebook Meta two years ago, and they offered him triple his salary, what he was wor- er- earning as prior job. Well, he just got cut, of course, uh, of course because he was too expensive. And, and you, then you take a lot of the people that have moved and bought homes. Those people are remote workers. Well, now companies are requiring people to come back into the office because they realize to some extent that remote work isn't that great for the corporate culture. So what about those people that move to Texas or Alabama or Florida and their and their job is located in California or somewhere else? Either they're going to have to give up their job, which is then going to impact their ability to cover their mortgage, mm-hmm. or they're going to have to move and sell. And as you sell more, uh, there's more opportunities there. But you know, for those of you listening and, and you find this to be interesting, you want to know more about the strategies he and I were talking about, where we see the market going, I would highly encourage you to, to take a look at uh, Infinity Investing. It's one of our sister companies that that we run, that we put on to help individuals just like yourselves. Look at the, the angles of the real estate market and get out there and start investing. And so we teach many principles. Why don't you tell them a little bit about, because uh, you run more of that than I do. Yeah, the, the, the easy philosophy of infinity investing is that once you have, there's, there's five income sources, and we're talking about one of them. We'll, we'll talk about rents. But there's rents, royalties, dividends, interest, and short-term capital gains on selling covered calls on your stock portfolio. But those are the five income sources. Once you have enough of those income sources to replace and cover your expenses, then you can live an infinite number of days without selling any of your assets and without depleting your asset base. We don't believe that when you retire, you reduce your accounts. We believe that when you retire, you're at, your actual value is going to continue to increase, but we live off of the cash flow of these things. And so we're cash flow hounds. And there are opportunities in this market, just like there are in any for cash flow properties. It's just you have to use the right metrics. And so we teach very concise principles about what we're looking for. And it leaves you to bread and butter homes that cash flow. Uh, there are obviously other ways to make money in the market, whether you be wholesaling, flipping, buying uh, distressed properties, you know, the buy, rehab, put a renter in it, refinance it, and repeat the same process and just keep doing that. There's those things as well. But at, at its core, the holy grail is buying assets that pay you enough to where you never have to work again. And that's the principle. Once you get there, you can live in an infinite number of days without ever having to work. Yeah, we teach a one-day event. It's called Infinity Investing. And if you'd like to join us during that one-day event as we talk about these principles in more detail, you can click on the link below and it'll take you to a registration page. And I can guarantee you, if you go to that and you join us, you're going to learn about, as Toby stated, many different facets of the real estate market and different ways in which you can take advantage of it in 2023 and other ways to ensure that you're going to take care of your financial future. Yeah, there is no lack of opportunities in 2023 in real estate. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.